0: Welcome to Observing Others, the people watching People Podcast. How you doing everybody?
1: So good. We're here. Good morning.
2: Happy to be here. Causing
0: trouble having fun. Jeremy, how was your weekend? Uh, Great weekend, great weekend. You? I did. We have we had Thanksgiving with an F with some family members because we didn't have it on Thanksgiving.
1: Way early, I love it. Does that mean you get to have two turkeys? Yeah, okay. and we
0: actually had Amanda, my stepdaughter's birthday, is today. Happy birthday, Amanda! Birthday. Happy birthday! We celebrated it yesterday in our Thanksgiving with as many kids as we can <laughs> stuff in our kitchen, and I made stuffing, stovetop stuffing. Is
1: that like a very merry birthday? Oh to yeah, do a Thanksgiving. I never
0: thought of that. Alice in Wonderland.
1: Well, and see, you're like a, a home run hitter for my daughter because she thinks that Thanksgiving always gets overlooked. And now it got put up before Halloween. Nice.
2: Oh. It's out there.
0: <laughs> it sure is. But it was a good birthday, and it, it's cold.
1: It's so cold. It's a little brisk. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like it. <laughs> it. If you
0: had to scrape your windows this morning, it was the first morning scrape window, I think, of the fall.
1: Mm-hmm. I turned my heater on yesterday, so I had that nice burn smell yeah. all through my house. Yeah.
0: Yesterday, I turned my... Uh, Seat warmers on in the car.
1: Oh, I did that too. first time.
0: Yeah, not big time enough for that. <laughs> okay, it's well, too early for that. I sat on my hands. That was my seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You, mm. Yeah, change your change your filters. Right, is that yeah. the time of year to make sure your filters are changed?
1: I'm supposed to do it like every month, but I think some people oh. do it annually for sure. Well,
2: it's like your annual bath. You yeah, know, it's same same your concept, annual. right? Yeah. <laughs> I take one whether I need it or not. You like do, a we do
1: have a guest voice on, you guys, <laughs> yeah, if you can hear we do hear have that. a
0: guest. Steve, how are you?
2: Very well, thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: We're glad you're here. So we'll give Steve a chance to introduce a little bit about himself and what he does. But I want to go back. I want to rewind a little bit. I found another B. Okay, Ba-ba-ba-bee. so... B. We're doing the terrible bees, the terrible bad behaviors, and we've had big and... We added bribe last time. You can bash somebody to try to persuade them. You can you can
1: be bitter and biatchy. Like yeah. there was lots of lots of bad bees.
0: You can butt in in conversations like I do, right? <laughs> I don't think that was one, but anyway. So b- primarily, people sometimes beg and what was the other big one besides beg? Bully. 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 Bully was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So so the word that I thought of that might kind of fit our guest and what he does and why we're having it on the show. The word that I like is boss. Mm. Don't be too bossy.
1: Right. right. That's as like a little kid. That's the first thing little kids notice. Like, I'm going to play with you. You're so bossy. Like, that's the yeah. first, the first B you notice as, so a, the one as I rem-
0: a child. The one I remembered was to brag. So people brag about things. They bash the competition. They beg for business or bribe was the word we threw in last time. And this, the one I really liked for today was this word "boss" or "bossy," because you can be a little bit presumptuous in your pitching and your presentation, and you can kind of sometimes boss people around. Well played, well played. So, not wanting to um, have the subject be negative, so we're going to go to a positive twist of this idea of being able to be in control, to feel in control. To be able to maintain control, is is a person who's not going to emotionally flip out and be bossy or be biatchy or be <laughs> all the other bees, right? right? So, so
1: belittling. I heard Alex in the back yeah. say belittling. Belittle That's was true. one last time.
0: <laughs> Bemoaning and beguiling. Remember those? Yeah, that you can lie or you can uh, whine. But I think that this idea of wanting to have positive and the word we've come up with, Steve, is finesse. We want to have mm. the ability to finesse our way through. Our relationships, so that we don't end up with one of these terrible bees. And so this this idea of finesse and being in control. If if one of the props, because we started one of our discussions with this idea of props, if one of our props for a, a show or even in in a real life setting was a gun, how might people take that, or how might people feel as far as the the power or the control someone may have over them if they have a gun
1: and maybe we ask Steve to do a little background on why we're relating him to the conversation of guns tell us a little bit about yourself Steve Morrow wow. well
2: well so I don't come from law enforcement and I don't come from military but my upbringing was in areas of downtown Washington DC outskirts of Maryland And the schools there were rough. I mean, you know, where we are here, where we live, we talk about rough schools. They don't even come close. I mean, I laugh when I hear people talk about, not laugh, but it's, you know, a rough school here is not even remotely close to a rough school back in the East Coast. Right. And then in Houston, Texas, growing up, you go into downtown and you learned really, really quick that, that, you know, to be aware and you're not necessarily safe everywhere you go. And then moving here, it's like wow, this is like safe haven, but still there's issues here. And so when it comes to that background, that's who I am. So so we've invited
0: Steve to be on the show because he teaches a class once a month about concealing a weapon, a concealed carry permit type of class. But Steve does a lot more than that. And so that we, we kind of want to flesh that out. We kind of want to talk about this idea that that a weapon can be coercive. And people can feel under duress when somebody has a weapon. In fact, if you commit a crime in the state of Utah and you have a weapon and someone were to die, for example, it's called aggravated murder. It's not just homicide or uh, second-degree uh, manslaughter. It's aggravated. So the commission of a crime with the use of a weapon and, and a gun would fit that category is a capital offense. And the death penalty can be applied in certain circumstances when someone uses a weapon for that coercion or for that that crime that they've committed, and the crime goes south. So on the positive side of concealing a weapon and being able to carry a weapon is this idea of a, of a confidence and a control of your situation without having it get out of control or, or as people say, escalate quickly. What do you think of that, Jeremy?
1: <laughs> his mind is blown. I think it de- it definitely provides that security. And in our concept of talking about being bossy today, I think it's the way you handle and manage your concealed carry permit. If you're brandishing exactly. it, then, then you're being bossy. You exactly. know, like if you're, if you're trying to prove a point and it's not just about your own personal safety, then that bossiness kind hey, of comes I, in. I love
0: that. Did you, did you say brandishing? There's a I B did, word I there did. for you.
2: I really like that, Danielle. It, it's, um, I think of people owning firearms in their homes. That is a tremendous responsibility that many people don't even understand how grave it can be just to have a gun in the home. To carry a, a firearm in your car, that's another issue. It's it's more responsibility. To carry a concealed firearm in public around others is, I mean, the responsibility that's on your shoulders is really through the roof. And most people don't understand that. So in the class that I teach, I make sure that they understand Weapons need to be locked up. They need to be used only in cases of just dire emergency. They are a last resort. And yet there many times is a flippant attitude about, well, I I can carry a gun. I don't even need a permit. Well, it's true in the state of Utah. You don't need a permit. But do you know when you're allowed to use that firearm in self-defense? So like Kelly, you said you're not committing a capital crime. And uh, do you know where you can carry that firearm legally? No, most people don't.
0: So one of the reasons why, so I've known Steve for a while, Um, at least space from him, even we've been good friends for a lot of years, and I've loved his devotion and loyalty and consistency of having this class. Whether there's a few or there's 10, he consistently has the class because he understands a concept that I kind of want to get into. So we've talked about finesse, and we've talked about props, and if you just went to a classroom and you talked about guns, and you talked about gun safety, would you really have that much hands-on experience, especially with a handgun?
1: Like prior to taking a class or?
0: At all. If, like- I've, if I've never handled a gun, how much experience of gun handling or gun control would I have?
2: A lot less than what most people <laughs> think they do when they come right. into a class. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so the point is, is that one of the reasons why we like even doing the podcast is we're not just having a meeting. We're not just talking to each other. We're using equipment. We're trying to, you know, control the narrative or at least control the, the volume of the mics and things. But it's really hands-on. And the thing the thing that I think that differentiates Steve, and then I'll let you kind of talk about it, from just learning about a concealed weapon or when you can use a concealed weapon, is that you also offer in in... To certain people, when it's it's available, the the practice of using yeah, that gun, yeah, a yeah. practice session.
2: Yeah. So the Utah concealed firearm permit, I, I, I'm a little disappointed in the way that it has been taught by many others. I've attended the class five times, and I was very disappointed. Two hours and twenty minutes, you know, in the first class, and and the big question at the end was, well, gee, when can I use my firearm in self defense? Well, that's the basic of the cl- basic part of the class. Many gun people are not instructors. And I didn't come from a gun people background. I don't fit the, hey, Steve's a gun guy, right, Jeremy, the, you know, the quote-unquote gun guy. right? And yet I've become one out of what I feel is necessity. But what I do very well is teach. So the concepts in the class in and of itself, I'm able to get across, and we do use handguns in the class. They're unloaded. Uh, we're very, very careful we teach safety first. But that in, in the four-hour class, And it does take a minimum of four hours to teach this class if you're going to get all the curriculum in, isn't really enough. It's enough to get you your permit. And when I ask the state, uh, the the people in charge, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, about why do we not have one on one handgun training as part of the class, their answer is legitimate, but yet difficult. And it's legitimate because this is our First Amendment, I mean, I'm sorry, our Second Amendment right. So let's just get a class and get them a concealed permit. So I've taken it a little bit further, and I offer one-on-one handgun classes. And you know what most people do when they teach people to shoot? They take them to the range where it's noisy, and they're nervous, and loud sounds, especially from gunfire, actually physically affect the body. Right. That's the wrong place to teach. So I teach in a quiet office environment first. And we go through gun safety, 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 how to load, how to unload. And everything we're going to do in the range, we actually do in a quiet office environment. Excellent. Then when we go down to the range, guess what? They know exactly what to expect. And within 15, 20 minutes with at least one firearm, they are comfortable handling the firearm safely.
0: There's the word comfortable. So this idea of being in control and knowing how to use that gun and feeling confident and comfortable is going to make the difference in a highly intense situation if no one's ever gone through the protocols necessary to know how to hold and use and protect themselves and to be safe about it.
1: I like you saying the thing about um, being comfortable because I I own guns. I have a forty caliber. I've had a nine millimeter, and I'm so secure and I feel so great using those at a range. But I have never taken the concealed carry permit because I don't feel comfortable carrying the gun outside of that element. Like, it's not even though when I pick one up, I'm like, great, yeah. I'm a good shot. Yeah. Like, I love it. But I have never, like, um, loaded my gun at home. You know, like, it just, I haven't, but I will only do it in that secure environment because that's the only place I've been trained to do yeah. that. So I like the idea of let's get out of the gun range and go somewhere where you can start forming that comfort ability around you know handling that, your that's
2: gun. a great comment and you know honestly there isn't anybody that i've taken to the gun range that is experienced like you are to, you are at a gun range where they haven't learned something and go oh my goodness i had no idea that i either shouldn't be doing this or i could be doing that to be more effective with a handgun
0: danielle i know somebody who teaches a class
1: oh, do you <laughs> but for me again it's like i gotta be comfortable like, I wouldn't feel comfortable carrying a gun unless it's locked in my trunk, carrying it around, and I'm going to to the range to right, utilize right. it. And then I have somebody there at the range, you know, uh, pushing me through. But once I get in there, I, I feel like a boss. You know, I'm like, okay, I got this. But <laughs> In <laughs> but- <laughs> fact, some people
0: call their gun the boss, yeah, right? Yeah. This is the boss. So I- I've likened it to, uh, to driver's ed before because you're going to have the instruction. You're going to have the manuals. You might have a simulator. You might do something in a classroom setting that's quasi. Then you're going to have an instructor who has a car with some tools necessary to uh, keep this this out-of-control vehicle under control. Um, but that's the handicap until the person really is out there right. doing their learner's right. part and actually having that hands-on, the tenant hands-on-the-wheel experience.
1: Well, I think like Steve said, it's such a – being able to carry a gun out in public and concealed is such a responsibility. Maybe that's something I don't feel comfortable taking that responsibility well, it, on knowing, like, if yeah. I did get into a situation, could I really handle myself? And if I didn't, somebody would be like, well, you totally had a gun the whole time. You did nothing. You know, I mean, I think there's there's so many more elements that have to go into being comfortable to use it outside, <laughs> outside of the,
0: do, do the they, range. Do they still fingerprint in that state? Oh, yeah, for the class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's part of the reason why the, the length of time is that Steve isn't just uh, filling a minimal requirement.
2: Oh, goodness, he's, no.
0: He's not just trying to get you in and out yeah, the door yeah. and uh, have, have you have a piece of paper. There, the there, there literally is a process. Um, so my,
2: if I may, your comment is very pertinent when it comes to one of the things that we do teach in the class, which to me is also self-evident. When we teach the class, we talk about what's the most important skill, attitude, or knowledge. And many, many people mistakenly will say skill or knowledge when number one, number one is attitude. And your attitude when it comes to your firearm is what's going to keep you safe in the long term. Even if you do determine that you're going to carry on your person or it's readily accessible, it's the attitude that's got to come first. Once the attitude is there, then skill and knowledge and safety, there. that's all. It's already part of it. So... If knowledge come uh, the knowledge and the skill come after the
1: i love that because the attitude reflects back to the boss like if you your know, attitude does, is being boss and you're doing it to intimidate others then yep. it's the wrong Intimidation. it's the wrong reason right.
0: so so kind of using our bases where we talk about no liking and trusting okay so knowing about um safety knowing about concealed weapons the knowing part and the liking or loving part of it so that you ha- you're, you're not afraid there's there's not that that emotional uh, um, obstacle in the way of you're going through this learning process, and then it's it's really trusting the weapon, and trusting yourself, and trusting that you have had hands-on handgun or other um, rifle or other you know gun experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so knowing, liking, and trusting the gun. Literally, there are people who are ignorant of of weapons, and their ignorance, I think, drives them emotionally to say. We should ban certain guns or we should ban guns altogether because Absolutely. again, they don't know enough about right. it. Right. They don't like it enough because they've not felt like you've said, comfortable and confident. And then they need to trust themselves, the law and the, the weapon itself. And the only way that's going to happen is re- is repetition. It's going to be practice. It's actually a reason for a gun type of range. So my, one of my first experiences was in at front sight weapons training excellent place we had a four-day handgun experience there Mm -hmm. and it was my first time with a nine millimeter and i was i was scared to death but we literally had the instructors who went through a really regimen type of protocol of how to load how to unload how to holster how to unholster and if you didn't learn those behaviors they didn't let you on the range they didn't let you shoot you just you didn't do it their way which in the end was almost scientific then you weren't going to feel confident, and when it came for your turn to be up to the plate, so to speak, you were you were really quiver. I quivered. I mean, I I needed those full four days to get the no like and trust part down, and I, and I still didn't pass. Four day defensive handgun safety. I got to take it again because I didn't pass the class because I well, didn't here's meet the requirements.
2: One thing about that, good instruction brings on competence and confidence. So if somebody's not comfortable or confident carrying a firearm, there's a reason for that. For those that, you know, mentally they're thinking straight, you know, if they're not competent, why they shouldn't have a gun in the first place. But the proper education will breed first competence and then confidence.
0: And you've seen that difference in the people just in the four hours of a class.
2: Yeah. and, And not only in others, but I've seen it in myself. It's, it's the same thing. The longer I do this, the more I teach people one-on-one handgun training, the more confident I am in my own abilities, and yet aware that I don't know everything, that we're all subject to be uh or human and we can all make mistakes. So I
1: love that. I in my experience using guns, there was one point where I had taken like a it was like a close quarters combat style excellent, like training thing. Uh, it was yeah. like no, some, like an airsoft gun thing, and I hadn't used and these were like rifle guns and so I that was something I wasn't fam- I mean it was air pellets but it's something yeah. I wasn't familiar with to begin with and we did all this stuff where they made us like clean the guns constantly do these things and they took us out to like the training course and it wasn't by the end you were like sneaking around walls trying to find the bad guy and it was so fun and I felt like I got better but then I didn't do it for like two years and then you started from like the beginning if you tried to yes. do it Oop. again because you're not Good keeping point. up you're not keeping up with those stay on skills. top of the skill yeah well so, and, go ahead. please
2: law enforcement and military statistics are You will be at 50% of your last training. So whatever your capabilities are, if you were at 100% on a certain item when it comes to going through your own home and looking for a suspect and being able to use the gun under duress, Hmm. you'll be at 50%. And this is true for law enforcement and okay, military. That
1: makes sense because I was terrible. Even though I was like, I know there's a guy on the other side of the wall, but I am scared walking uh, walking up to it. And then I got to play the part of the bad well, guy now, it was like hiding behind small furniture and stuff. And that was And <laughs> that now was imagine fun. your <laughs> heart rate at
2: 145 right? where you start to get tunnel vision, your hearing changes, your hands begin to shake, and yet you've got all this training, right? And the same thing happens to experienced law enforcement, military SWAT teams. They go through training like this intensively because the body physically changes when you're under extreme duress.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, So I love that the competence and the confidence of being able to be in control and, and not to hide behind the weapon itself as if the weapon's going to be some kind of magic tool that's going to solve everything or whatever. Uh, But there is something about having a, a, a weapon in your home that's, that's locked up, that's safe but does give you some peace of mind, even in even if we're not in Washington, D.C. or mm-hmm. in Chicago mm-hmm. or Houston, uh, uh, that is just as beneficial to me as far as um, being able to sleep nights, knowing that I have that protection if necessary, if needed. But definitely we need more coursework and classwork, but also more hands-on experience. And uh, I, I definitely recommend you, Steve, because I think that you care enough about both the people that attend and the importance of the, some of the subjects that we've talked about, that you're not going to uh, to just let something slide, that you're going to make sure that, that the students. Thank you, Kelly. It's
2: very, very important to me that my students understand the concepts. We take breaks from the curriculum to make sure that the concept behind it is fully like assault. I mean, when can you use a firearm or a skateboard or a crowbar or a baseball bat in self-defense? It's all the same. And, and that's many people come out of other people's classes and don't understand that basic concept. And I break it down to where it's very, very simple.
0: So Utah, tell me the name again. So I know that I've got it right. Utah concealed carry.
2: Well, the website is superior CFP and you can go there and just look at some basic information. And best thing is to send me a text or an email and, and we can hook them up with the next class, which I think is November 15th. Is that a Saturday? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, November 15th, 9 a.m. 12, and we usually, sorry, Daniel. November Danielle.
1: 12th would be the Saturday.
2: Okay. Yeah. I can look or it 19th, up. the 19th, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look it up while you're doing this.
0: Hey, Steve. Excellent subject. Excellent input from all of the co hosts. And, Steve, we thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, we want to have you come back because we want to be able to say, when it's time to borrow, call Steve Morrow. <laughs> <laughs> borrow is another good word. Yeah. 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 There it's you a good go. word. <laughs> Hey, Jeremy, again, thank you. Causing trouble, having fun. Danielle, thank you. Always a pleasure. And Steve. Thank you, Kelly. So (laughs) grateful that you could be here with us on our podcast. Uh,
2: We'll
0: see you later.